0: Joshua 23. You may be going, Pastor, we skipped a lot. Well, we can go over all the tribal allotments one by one if you want. We'll be here for days. I guess that's only pastor humor. Sorry about that. Strike that from the, uh, the video, Nick. So we are going to be talking about something pretty important today. The Lord is my portion. Man, I'm excited about this sermon. And I want to explain all that... This entails. If you're in Joshua 23 this morning, it's only 16 verses. We're going to read that together. It says, "'A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, "'I am now old and well advanced in years.'" And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight And you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day." For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as He promised you. So be very careful, therefore, To love the Lord your God, for if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out the nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you, not one of them has failed, but just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until He has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given you. Let me just go back a little bit, because this text is so important this morning. Joshua calls Israel to him, and he says, Have you seen what the Lord has done for you for your sake to these nations? He's fought for you. You've seen it with your own eyes. You've been given your inheritance in nations that remain, that are still here, along with nations that have been cut off. We've removed them. We've destroyed them. It is the Lord who will drive out these people out of your sight, the ones who remain." You shall possess their land as God promised. So be strong and make sure that you do all that is written in the book of the law. Do not turn from it. Do not turn to the right. Do not turn to the left so that you do not mix with these nations. No man's been able to stand before you, not even to this day. Not even to this day. It only takes one of you to put a thousand others to flight since it's the Lord your God who fights for you. So be careful to love your God. Be careful. Here's why. If you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations, if you cling to those that remain and you make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, that's what the Bible says, know this, your God will not... You hear that? Will not drive out these nations from you. They'll stay. And you know what they're going to become? They're going to become a snare, a trap. They're going to become thorns in your sides. They're going to be thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good ground God has given you. It's good ground that He's been given, that He's given them good ground. He knows that He's passing. And he wants to tell you, I'm about to leave you. I'm leaving. And you know, you know that God has been faithful. You know in your hearts and souls that God has not failed you, not once. All things have come to pass that God has promised. But just as these good things have been fulfilled, just as they've been fulfilled, the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things too. Until he destroyed you from the good ground that he's given. If you transgress this covenant, if you go against me, and you go against the things I've commanded, and you follow other gods, bowing down to them, then the anger, my anger, the Lord's anger, is going to be kindled against you, and it's going to be great. You shall perish quickly from this good land that he has given you. Boy, good land is repeated, isn't it? They've been given a blessing, they've been given an inheritance. This is a great warning. Uh, this is a stern warning, but we have to try to figure out here, why is Joshua warning? They've, they've been so successful. They've taken Canaan almost, not all of it, as we'll find out, but they've been so successful in this campaign. Why this great warning? Well, you're going to follow me here on the screen. It starts in Joshua 13, so we, our text is in Joshua 23, but Joshua 13, 1, Says, now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. Not all the land was conquered. There's still very much land. In fact, in chapter 13, everyone, it speaks to all the land that still remains. And from chapter 13 all the way up to where we are today in Joshua, it expounds on the tribal allotments of the land. The boundaries, the areas where these tribes, their inheritance is, it goes over that. It's the land that has been possessed, yet there still needs to be, that's been taken in their inheritance, yet there's still much land in their inheritance to be taken. But there are issues here. There are massive issues which relate to the text and message that Joshua is pushing here in 23 in this great warning. It starts in 13 where it says there's still much land to take. You're not, it's not over yet, folks. The next verse, look at this, Joshua 15, 63. But the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah could not drive out, so the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. I'm going to go verse to verse, getting this all the way up to 23 to explain why there's this great warning. So they dwell. Now, this is upsetting. Why couldn't they drive them out? Why were they allowed to stay in this land? Why were they living amongst them? They knew what God commanded. They knew about the removal of these inhabitants, yet for whatever reason, they remained. But here's the issue. Not only have they failed, they are compromising with these people. They live with them. Great compromise. Joshua 16.10, However, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites have lived in the midst of Ephraim to this day, but have been made to do forced labor. Did not drive out the Canaanites. To what God has expressed, over and over, they do not drive out the Canaanites, but instead allow them to stay. With no fear of idolatry, with no fear of being led astray, Right? They have them do forced labor. Is this careless, carelessness? Is, is this cowardice? Could uh, this be covetousness? Right? Could it be greed? Could this stem from coveting the labor of these inhabitants? Joshua 17, 12 through 13. Yet the people of Manasseh could not take possession of those cities, but the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in the land. Now when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. They grew strong, strong enough to take possession, but they didn't. If you're strong enough to force the Canaanites into forced labor, then you're strong enough to take possession of those cities they inhabit and remove them. But they did not. Why are they disobeying the commands of God? This is the question that we should be asking over and over. Look at Joshua 17, 14 through 16. Then the people of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying, why have you given me but one lot and one portion as an inheritance, although I am a numerous people, since all along the Lord has blessed me? And Joshua said to them, if you are a numerous people, go up by yourselves to the forest and there clear ground for yourselves in the land of the Perizzites and the Rephaim, since the hill country of Ephraim is too narrow for you. The people of Joseph said, The hill country is not enough for us, yet all the Canaanites who dwell in the plain have chariots of iron, both those in Bethshan and its villages and those in the valley of Jezreel. We need more land, Josh. We need more land. Uh, was their allotment too small, or were they just afraid of the Canaanites who were dwelling in the land? They were told to go up to the forest and clear that ground. It was there for their taking to make more room, you're such a numerous people, you're such a large tribe, what are you afraid of? So my question is, why were they being unfaithful? Why were they living in fear of these inhabitants who stood in their way? They said, the hill country is just not enough for us, yet these Canaanites have chariots of iron. Have you seen what God has done every time you've attacked a city? I think they forgot. Joshua 18, two through three. They remained among the people of Israel's seven tribes, whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. So Joshua said to the people of Israel, how long will you put off going in to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? Why are you not taking possession of your inheritance? Have they become indifferent? I mean, have they become indifferent to possessing what lays right before them? Were they hesitant to resume fighting if need be? Did they lose their zeal and become lazy? Maybe the delay was due to procrastination. Maybe it was apathy. Maybe they just didn't have the heart or the spirit to undertake this work. Maybe it was as simple as they were just enjoying the spoils of war that they've accumulated and were living at ease amongst their brethren, just waiting on someone else to survey that land, tell them where to go. Moses, before he passed, just like Joshua's doing now, Moses gave a great warning. I want to read this to you. Deuteronomy 31, 16 through 17. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Moses is about to die as well. And the Lord tells him, Then this people will rise in horror after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering, and they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us. Now, a lot of you probably already know where I'm going with this. This is so relevant to you and I right now that it's frightening. Moses is given this warning about what the people are going to do. God is not among us. That's terrifying. So Moses is being warned. Joshua is warning them. That's what's happening in Joshua 23. So you can see from 13 the buildup of the things these people are doing. They're transgressing the covenant. They're breaking these promises. They're not fulfilling their end. And Joshua gives them this awesome, awesome Warning, they're not following through with their duty. They're not following through with their responsibility in clearing this land. They're leaving unwelcome inhabitants within these nations, within these boundaries of Israel, and they're essentially pushing God out. Do you get that? They are essentially allowing God to be pushed out. How? By allowing the Canaanites to dwell among them with their way of living, with their customs, with their gods. If you know anything about the Bible, you know that all of this happens. They do go after these other things. They do. So, everything God said not to do, (laughs) they're doing. God made them a promise. He said, you shall possess their land, but they were failing on their end. God did not fail them. In the Bible, they were told to cling. Cling means to hold fast. They were to cling to their God. They were to love their God. But instead, they began to cling to the remnant. They began to cling and transgress against the covenant and the inhabitants. You know what what the Bible said? The inhabitants became a snare. They became a trap, a whip to their sides, thorn in their eyes. See, they had seen great things that the Lord had done. They'd seen them. But they were eyewitnesses to His great works. Amen? They were eyewitnesses to what had happened in this campaign, but they were allowing their inheritance, their portion, to become corrupted, allowing these people to cross into their boundaries and corrupt their land. God had not failed them, but they were failing Him. Now, that's our story within our text, this great warning, and we see why this warning was made. Our lives Our hearts, our minds, you and me right here, right now, are very much like these tribal allotments. They're very much like them. We too are in danger of allowing unwelcome inhabitants to dwell in our land. While we may have no literal allotment, no literal portion of land in Israel, which I don't believe any of us do, While we may not have that, we do have a portion and we do have an inheritance because we are like Aaron and the Levites. Read this, Numbers 18.20, and the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. We're very much like Aaron here and the Levites. I love this verse, Psalm 16, 5 through 6. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. In Psalm 73, 26, it says this My flesh and my heart fail, or may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The Lord is our portion. So I'd like to talk about our inheritance for a minute. Christians sometimes live their lives day by day totally forgetting about this great inheritance. The end result of our faith is salvation, is it not? That's the end result of our faith. God sending His Son, Jesus... And Jesus' work on the cross have secured this salvation. It's in place. It is in place. So ultimately, as believers, as Christians, we are heaven-bound, right? We will reside in the heaven where God reigns right now. We will reside with Christ in his millennial reign here on earth. There will be a new earth, a new heaven. What I'm talking about is an eternal state in God's presence. The end result of our salvation brings us into that. We are predestined in Christ. In Christ, our destiny is to obtain this inheritance. We are destined for it. It's ours. And our portion, it's imperishable. It's unfading. It's unspoiled. It's protected. It's safe. And I love this thought. It's being kept for us. It's being kept for us. See like Israel, church family, you and I, we have not possessed our full inheritance yet. We have not possessed our full inheritance yet. We will at the revelation of Jesus, at his return, we will fully embrace that inheritance. But until then it is guarded. Our portion, it is safe and it is secure. But that's our future, isn't it? That's our future. Our guaranteed future with God. And like the Bible says, it's a beautiful inheritance. It is. Our inheritance is a beautiful, beautiful inheritance. But what about the present? See, Israelites were guaranteed that land if they would just possess it. But they didn't. So let's, we looked at their present. We saw what was happening. Let's talk about our present. In other words, knowing the glory that awaits us. Knowing the glory that awaits us, how do we apply the warning given to the nation of Israel in our text that we read this morning? Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you that warning is for you and me too. It's not just for the Israelites. So we have to look at our lives as an allotted portion of land, we have to look at our lives with boundaries within our boundaries. It's important that we understand the removal of unwelcomed inhabitants, no matter how small or how big. And remember last week, not even if they're giants, these things need to be removed. So in our land, we are to cling to God, not the things or the ways or the people of this world. We're not to cling to them. We are to drive out the things, the ways, and people of this world. Why? Because they will become a snare. They will become a trap. They will become whips to our sides and thorns in our eyes. We see that happening in the tribal allotments in Israel. We see it happening. It's unfolding. And see, here's the most beautiful thing about your life right now, and if you don't know this, please listen. Here's one of the most beautiful things about your life right now. In the salvation process, which was mentioned earlier, in the salvation process, you have been given Jesus' righteousness, okay? You were given His righteousness. God has justified you, and through that justification, He now sees you covered in the righteousness of His Son, not your uh, stains, not your sin. He sees the blood of His Son covering you, and you are righteous in His eyes, And this justification leads to us being what we call sanctified. You are being prepared. You are being made ready. You are being shaped for an eternity with the Lord. That, of course, is the end result of your faith. So, this sanctification, it is also like an allotted portion of land with protected and guarded boundary lines. Why do I say that? Well, positionally, we are justified in God's eyes. But progressively, as we grow in the Lord, as we protect and guard our land, our boundaries, as we are sanctified, we have to look to Israel and see what happened to them. We have to hear what Moses said when the Lord gave him a warning. We have to look at what Joshua is saying to what's happening to them in his warning. Because progressively, as we are sanctified, that's us living our life out as we grow in the Lord. There have to be boundaries. In both, though, we are given a wonderful gift. Let's talk about our portion, let's, more of this portion, this wonderful gift, the Holy Spirit. Not only are we covered in Jesus' righteousness, and justified in the eyes of God, we have the Holy Spirit. Now, He is involved in the whole process of salvation. He is involved in it all. He's the reason we have a connection to God. Do you know that that we are tethered to God because of the Holy Spirit? And you can break that connection. You can break that connection in sin, but we are tethered to God because of the Holy Spirit. So we can understand His Word as He communicates it to us, and we can talk to Him, we can pray to Him and speak to Him directly because of the Holy Spirit. So like Joshua, we are not alone. If you remember the beginning of Joshua, we are not alone because the Holy Spirit indwells us and goes wherever we go. Through His wonderful and awesome gift, with the righteousness covering us, With being justified in the eyes of God, with God preparing us and sanctifying us in this life for the next, all in love, in this awesome gift, the Holy Spirit that indwells us, leads us, directs us, both in message and prayer, this awesome gift reveals that we've become children of God. In the salvation process, we've become children of God. And as sons and daughters, as children, we are heirs. And as that, we are heirs to an inheritance which brings us back full circle to our portion, who is the Lord. So what do we do? Well, we have to set our boundary lines. We have to be on guard. What are the things that can ensnare and trap us, do you think? What are the things that can invade our land and wreak havoc, right? Our lives and wreak havoc. Well, it's the very same things that ensnared snared and entrapped uh, the Israelites. That's why this text is so important. God's Word applied to our very lives is so important. They're the same things. Compromise. Mixing the things of God with the things of this earth. When we compromise... We see this all the time. You do understand that churches are compromising the Word of God all over this nation, all over this world we have compromise. What about idolatry? People brush idolatry to the side a lot. That's putting or placing anything before God, anything. Idolatry, covetousness, greed, cowardice, carelessness, laziness, Uh, indifference, fear, apathy is a big one, procrastination, complacency. All the things that Israel was suffering (laughs) are the very things that we suffer when we allow our boundaries to be invaded and allow these people, these unwelcome inhabitants, inhabitants to wreak havoc in our land. And let me ask you, haven't we allowed one of these, if not all, to invade our land and our lives? Haven't we? I mean, are you clinging to one of these today? I've allowed every single one of these to enter my life, and enter my boundaries. They're, they corrupted my land, absolutely. I'll be the first to admit it. But I'm not clinging to these. I'm not. I'm clinging to my God. Because what did Joshua say in our reading today? What did he say? He said, be careful to love your God. Continue to cling to your God. Obey God's Word, His Word spoken to you. Do not turn from it, neither to the right nor to the left. These are our boundaries. Obedience, love, clinging, that's holding fast. These set up our boundaries. The whole geographical area of Canaan, folks, was their inheritance? Let's get that straight. The whole geographical area, they were to possess this inheritance which they never fully did. They never to this day, they have never fully did. There, uh, there will be one day, they will, but not yet. One day, but not yet. But their possession is the part of the land which they did take in their inheritance. They didn't possess it all, but the possession they did was the land that they took. Now, you and I have to look at that. We too have a full inheritance in the Lord. And one day, one day, we too will experience this in its fullness, just not yet, but we will. However, this is important. We need to appropriate what God has already given us. And this is really our goal as Christians, as a child of God, as an heir to take possession of the things that God has and is giving us. The Lord is our portion. He is the source of our hope. He is the source of our faith. He is the source of blessing, our future, joy, and yes, even our present. Even our present. Knowing what awaits us. Now hear me out on this knowing what awaits us, our beautiful inheritance, right, our guaranteed inheritance, this should shape the way that we live, the way that we walk, this, our speech, the way we conduct our lives, our priorities, our goals. It should shape us. As we take possession of the things God has given us, because here, sh- this should be our desire. Our desire should be to emulate the future joy that we will all experience with what we endure and face in the present. Let me say that again. Our desire should be to emulate the future joy that we will experience and emulate that in with what we're enduring and facing in the present. As we cling, as we love, as we obey, as we set these boundaries, we protect our possession in the Lord. Knowing full well in all things, in both present and future, that it is the Lord who is our portion. Praise God. I want to ask the praise team to come up. If I could have the praise team come up. I'm going to close us in prayer before we take, partake of the Lord's table. But I want to give you a, a minute or so to come up and pray if you like. To come up and if you need to speak with me, if today you've been moved and you know that Jesus is calling you right now, and you're prepared, you're prepared to ask him into your heart, to save your life, I'm here to pray with you. If you want to just come up and pray, if you want to talk to me about anything, I'm up here. But I want to give us just a few minutes as we sing, and close in this song, for you to think about this message, because the Lord is your portion. You have a great inheritance. And if you don't today, it's yours for the taken. Just like the Israelites, it was a promise. It was theirs for the taken, but they didn't possess it. They didn't take it. That could be you today. God could be calling right now and saying, this is for you. I have an inheritance. Come up and take it. So guys, can you uh, start playing after I pray? And again, just come up, folks, if you'd like. Father God, Lord, I just thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this message. Knowing that you are our portion, Father, and that this is a guaranteed and beautiful inheritance, let me let that reflect in my present life. Knowing what's coming, knowing what I get to step into, Father, for all of us, let us just mirror that in present life. And in that, Father, we need to set boundaries, boundaries of love, boundaries of holding fast to you, boundaries of obedience that remove and destroy all unwelcomed inhabitants. Israel should have done that. We should be doing that. Father, that's my prayer for each and every heart here today, that we begin to guard our lives knowing what we're stepping into and allowing that wonderful inheritance to be reflective in the way we live and conduct ourselves now. Father, we want to remove the small things. We want to remove the large things. We want to remove the giants that would keep us away from you, that would interfere with our walk, that would pull us from loving you and worshiping you. Father God, that would keep us out of heaven. So I pray for every heart today, Lord, if they don't know you or they do, that they turn to you. Father God, I pray for that right now. As the band plays, I just ask for hearts to be moved. I ask for hearts to be moved. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.